Well, good morning. Before we jump into uh, our teaching this morning, I need to get something off my chest, okay? Um, and it is whoever came up with daylight saving time, okay? I was doing a little research last night and trying to find out who created this thing. Um, and some say, like Benjamin Franklin came up with it. Others say some guy in England came up with it. And other people said that it, it was implement, implemented first by Canada. I don't care who, okay, but I'm just not a fan of this, okay? Thank you. Um, I'll just, if you have little ones too, like, in, and ours are older now, but, like, messes them up for, like, weeks. I mean, they're just, their body clock is just, if it messes me up, it messes them up. Um, okay. Um, I need, anyway, everybody stand. Everybody stand up. Okay, I need you to do something for me this morning to kind of spread out. I know this is a little awkward, a little weird. It's okay. You're not going to be forced to say anything. I'm not going to embarrass you. You need to spread out enough to where you can take a step. Okay, where you can take a step. All right, so um, on the count of three, all right, on the count of three, I need everyone to take just one step. You can determine the size of that step that you're going to take. It can be a small step. Right, It could be a decent-sized step. If you want to leap and go for it, go for it. If you want to try to jump a chair, I'm all in. Okay, So on the count of three, all of us at the same time, so no one feels uncomfortable. All right, If you're already feeling uncomfortable now, it's okay. It's, it's all right. Embrace it. Embrace the awkwardness of this moment. Okay, all right. So on the count of three, we're each going to take a step. You ready? One, two, three. All right, have a seat. Very good. Thank you. Appreciate that. As you are seated this morning, I want you to hear from the writer of Hebrews. And he's going to give us a list of names in Hebrews chapter 11. I just want you to listen to how he describes some of these followers of God. Just listen. He says, By faith, Noah. By faith, Abraham, by faith, Sarah, by faith, Moses. This is how he describes these followers of God. He says, by faith, the people, God's people, the the Israelites crossed the Red Sea onto dry land. By faith, Rahab. And he closes out that chapter, Hebrews chapter 11, by saying these were all commended for their faith. I was reading um, a document the past couple weeks, and, and there was a statement made, and it was, it was this. It says, moving forward with a vision almost always involves a step of faith. Moving forward with a vision almost always involves a step of faith. And today I'm going to ask each of us to take a step of faith. Your step of faith is probably going to be and look different than the step of faith of the person behind you or in front of you or next to you. But if you're going to move forward in what God has for you, it's going to involve a step of faith. If your living community that you're a part of is going to move forward in what God has for your living community, it's going to involve taking a step of faith. If we as a church are going to move forward in what God has called us to, it's going to involve a step of faith. Of faith. And this morning, I want us to spend some time just refreshing 
and reminding ourselves of the mission and vision that God has for His church, and specifically what God has called us to as living church. So join me in the book of Acts, if you will, chapter 14. Acts chapter 14, verses 19 through 28. Now the book of Acts records for us the first 30 years of the first century church movement. It was written by a historian named Luke. He was a doctor. He was meticulous about the details. And so he records for us the first movements of the first missionaries of the church. And some of the names of the first missionaries of the church were Paul and Barnabas. And so in Acts chapter 14, if you have a Bible, Bible app on your phone, on your phone join me in Acts chapter 14. Because here, historian Luke brings us into this event in Paul and Barnabas' life. It says, but Jews, Acts chapter 14, verses 19 and to the end of the chapter, but Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. So you have Paul and Barnabas and this team of missionaries, they're going around city to city, and they're simply just telling people about Jesus. Well, there were some religious people at the time that didn't like that. And so when it says that Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, that's like 200, 100 miles away from where Paul and Barnabas are. So you got people actually getting on boats. And it wasn't, I mean, this is first century. So it's not like you can just get a plane ticket and get there in a couple minutes. I mean, they, they were serious. So they're traveling days potentially to come and protest, if you will, against Paul and Barnabas. So protest against the message that they're sharing. And they don't like it to the point to where they take Paul and they stone him and they drag him out of the city. Verse 20, but when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up, check this out, and he enters the city. (laughs) The dude's just been nearly stoned to death. And if it were me, I'm like, I'm out, dude. I'm done. Get me out. I need a hotel. I need to recover. You know, find me a beach someplace. Jesus, I did it all for you, right? I mean, give me some time away. He's like, no, he goes back into the city. And on the next day, he went on with Barnabas to Derbe. And then when they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, the very places where these people came to stone him. And he strengthens the souls, verse 22, of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Then they passed through places like Pisidia and came to Pamphylia. And when they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Atalia. And from there they sailed to Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had fulfilled. And when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles." So what you have is Paul and Barnabas, their missionary team, they're going traveling city to city, telling people about Jesus, strengthening the disciples, they're forming churches, they do all that in spite of being stoned and like stoned to death, like not stoned, like drug stoned, but okay, sorry, in, all right, all this stuff. So in spite of all that, and they're doing all this, and, they're, and they come back to the church in which that sent them out, and they begin telling the church all that God had done with them, verse 27. I want you to do something else for me. I want you with the people near you, I want you to look at verse 27, and I want you to look at that verse, and I want you to discuss, just take two minutes with the people sitting next to you and share together what stands out to you about that statement. 
What stands out to you this statement, about the statement, they, Paul and Barnabas, declared all that God had done with them and how he opened a door of faith to the Gentiles? Take two minutes. Go. What stands out to you about that statement? All right, let's learn from each other a little bit. What's something that was shared? What stands out to you? What's, what did somebody maybe share in your little huddle? What stands out to you about this statement? The word with. The word with. Okay. Something else. Excellent. Absolutely. In fact, that's Antioch, Syria. So the church movement, first century church movement, started in Syria. Crazy. All right? Pretty awesome. Excellent. What else? Other observations. What stands out to you about that statement? When God, when they declared what God done, God opened Okay. Right. All right. So there's a declaration of what God had done. As they were telling people about Jesus, then doors were open. Good. What else? Anything else? Okay. So that declaration we're sharing verbally. Anything else? What's that? Absolutely, Bill. Good point. Great point. Yeah, they had to take those steps of faith, right, to get the message of the gospel out. That's excellent. Let me share with you just kind of what caught my attention as I looked at this. What caught my attention in verse 27 is this partnership with God and his people. That God is doing the work. Right? It says they're declaring all that God had done with them and how God had opened the door of faith. And yet there is that, that word with, right? But he's doing it with his people. He's using the church. He's using disciples to change the world. That's what he's doing. And there's this partnership. But something else that caught my attention is how incredible and glorious and amazing and good and majestic Jesus must be. Think about what they've just experienced in the city before. They didn't stop telling people about Jesus. They continued going city to city to city, telling people about the good news of who Jesus is. That tells us more about Jesus than it does Paul and the team. So there was something, there's something about this Jesus that's so great, that's so good, that people must know about that it doesn't matter if people beat us. It doesn't matter what kind of persecution we experience. It doesn't matter how uncomfortable we may feel or how different our lives may become because there's something about this Jesus that people have to know. They have to know this Jesus so much so that I'm willing to go through whatever it takes for them to know about him. Whatever, there's so, and that's, that's talking about Jesus. That's how good Jesus is and the change and the transformation that Jesus brings to a person's life, to a neighborhood, to a city. And so there's this partnership between God and his people, what God had done with them, and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And the fact that they, they continue to tell people about Jesus reveals just how good and great Jesus Christ really is. And I want to challenge us that just like God did with the first century church, just as he did with the first century disciples, he wants to do with us. 
He wants to do with you. He wants to do with me. He wants to do with us as living church. And you've heard us say it before. I believe God desires us to be a first century church for the 21st century. Why? Because those first century disciples, they transformed the Roman Empire. I want you to listen to a quote by Rodney Stark. I've shared it before. He wrote a book called The Rise of Christianity, describing the first century church movement and the impact it had on the Roman Empire. Just listen. Christianity, he says, revitalized life in Greco-Roman cities. To cities filled with the homeless and impoverished, Christianity offered charity as well as hope. To cities filled with newcomers and strangers, Christianity offered an immediate basis for attachments. To cities filled with orphans and widows, Christianity provided a new and expanded sense of family. And to cities faced with epidemics, fires, and earthquakes, Christianity offered effective nursing services. No wonder the early Christian missionaries were so warmly received in the cities. The first century church, first century followers of Jesus transformed the Roman Empire as they declared the message of Jesus. But listen, it was not the church that transformed the empire. It was the gospel of Jesus that did the work. It was the message that they shared that transformed people's lives, that caused them to live the lives that they were living. It was Jesus. It was him. I read a quote this week by pastor and author Louis Giglio. Let's see if I can remember it. He said, I believe Jesus believed that he was the only way to salvation because you don't go through a crucifixion death if you think you're just one of many options. Man, that hit me hard. And it's so right. If you're just one of many options, you don't go to the cross. But you go to the cross if you know that if you don't go to the cross, there is no other option. And it was this message of Jesus that transformed cities throughout the Roman Empire, and it's going to be the same today. The exact same today. I mean, if you think about our city, wouldn't you love to see that about our city? Greater Cincinnati, I mean, it was filled with homeless and impoverished people, yet the disciples, the church, rose up and offered charity as well as hope. To our city that's filled with newcomers on your street and strangers and people from out of town moving in, the church, they provided an immediate basis for family for these new people that came in. To our city that's filled with orphans and, and widows, Christianity, the, the church, the disciples, they, they reached out and they welcomed them and they provided a new sense of family. We can be that. We can. How? By living and sharing the exact same message that the first century lived and shared. The message of Christ. The message of Jesus that he rescues. And like Paul and Barnabas this morning, I just want to spend a few moments sharing with you what God is doing with you, Living Church. But then I also want to take some time to challenge us, to remind us of the mission, remind us that our job, the mission, is not over yet. A couple reminders. Our mission is a first century mission. In verse 21 of Acts chapter 14, it says that when they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples. And that's the point. You've you got to tell somebody about Jesus before they can become a disciple of Jesus. You've got to get the gospel to the city. 
And their mission, where did they get that from? Well, they, they got it from Jesus. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, he looks at his disciples after his resurrection and he says, now it's your turn. You guys go and do this. You've seen me do it. You've seen how to make disciples. You see me, I'm resurrected, I'm alive, and I'm going to come back again. And until I come back, I want you to go, and now you live and make disciples as I've made disciples of you. And so this mission is, is our mission. We just say it this way. Our mission as living church is to make disciples who know Christ, live Christ, and make Christ known. Why Christ? Because He is the only way that transforms life. He's it. But our vision also is a first century vision. If you look at verse 23, it says, And when they had appointed elders for them in every church... So what Paul and Barnabas are doing, they preach the gospel. People are coming to faith. They're turning their lives over to Jesus. And now you have these new disciples gathering, and then they're coming together, and they're forming these house church communities. Back in the first century, they didn't have big buildings like what we have today, and the church is not a building. The church is the people of Jesus Christ. And so these people and these new followers of Jesus, they'd get together in homes, and actually in Acts chapter 20, verse 20, Paul says, I taught you, talking to the disciples of the church, he said, I taught you publicly, and I taught you from house to house. What transformed the cities in Rome was this house church movement filled with disciples who were telling people in their neighborhoods and their cities all about Jesus. And that's our vision. Our vision is this, it's, it's to reach our city with the hope of Jesus Christ, by continuing to plant and multiply these house church living communities. We call them that, living communities. And we want to see these spreading throughout our city, and not just throughout our city, but around the globe. And specifically, we believe God has given us um, a vision that we call 26 by 26. Let me explain that. Really, it's we believe and want to see God raise up 26 house church living communities in 26 different neighborhoods in our city by the year 2026. Now, let me say this. This isn't about 26. This isn't about, cool, we got 26 of these bad boys. That is sweet. Now, it's about penetrating our city with the gospel. It's about seeing lives transformed. It's about seeing lives rescued from sin and addiction and families transformed and rescued and marriages restored and because of Jesus Christ. That's what it's about. And we just believe that the more we can get us as disciples out there in our neighborhoods living this out in community, the more we're going to see that the Holy Spirit through the gospel change our city, one person at a time. But that is it, 26 by 26, and we believe God's doing this. And let me encourage you, just like Paul and Barnabas did with their first century church, I just want to share with you some of the things that God is doing and has done with us. And we've been together for about six years now. And in our six years, we've grown from one living community house church to seven. Seven different living communities, which is awesome. I mean, that's, that's amazing what God has done. And each one of these house church communities is pastor-led. People that volunteer their time have gifts of pastoring and shepherding, and God has burdened them to be the shepherds and the pastors of these home churches. And, and just some of you may not even know who these people are. And so I want, if you're a living community pastor, family, I want you to stand. Just go ahead and do it. You've heard from a couple already. Go ahead and stand. All right, so you guys can kind of get faces with these are the people that are leading and shepherding our different living community house churches. Our family, we lead and shepherd the one over in Anderson. All right, Matt and Tina Neese, they shepherd right here in Newport, Kentucky. 
All right, they, we, they just launched out just within, within the past month. You have Kyle and Susan Mack and their family. They're over by us in southeast Cincinnati area. They're pastoring a living community. You had Jason and Izzy and Kyle and Alyssa. They're Crescent Springs, northern Kentucky. Jeremy and Lauren, they're pastoring one out in Erlanger, and they've been going now for a while. And then Dave and Autumn, they've been pastoring their living community house church for years, okay, for a long time. And we have learned much from them, all right, and how God has used them. But you need to see what God's doing. And these people are not full, full-time people. They're volunteering their time, giving up their time because they believe that it's through the gospel of Jesus Christ that he changes lives. We came home last night from our living community and Andrew and I were talking. We're just like, man, it just, it just feels so good to know that you're investing your life in people. That you're, that you're investing, that you're, you're coming away and we had a game night last night. We've got, I got four-year-olds, three-year-olds sitting on my lap and I'm playing hi-ho cheerio with these kids, right? And they drilled me, right? And, but to go home and to go, you know what, that's, it just is good. These kids are in a situation right now and it's just like, you know what, to be able to love on them like that, that's, it makes all the difference. It makes all the difference in the world. And we have some of our living communities, man, they are living on mission together and I'll just share some of the things that are going on. Our, our seven house churches right now, we had a pastor's meeting a week ago. And one of the things we shared was, okay, give me the, let's talk about how many different people over the past couple months do you think your living community, your house church has impacted? Just the total number of people. Our Sunday gatherings don't reflect the impact that living church and our house churches are having. The total number was, pro- was around 300. Between 275 to 300 different people are being impacted continuously through living church. That's amazing. Amazing. Our Erlanger Living Community, they go once a month to clean the New Hope Pregnancy Center. Something new that they're doing together where they're, where they're going and they're, they're showing the love of Christ practically. So they go in there after Sunday, I believe, correct? Once a month. And they go in there, they clean this place. So when clients come in, it's clean, it looks good, and there's a place where they can see this is a, pay, a place where people take care of things. And as we take care of things, we're going to take care of you. We had our Mount Auburn living community a couple weekends ago, spent hours painting Maria's mobile home, right? And in the mobile home park where she lives in Fort Mitchell, Kentucky, I think it was like, what, 12 hours, something like that. Where's Maria? Maria? Hi, Maria. All right. So you can see her. All right. Awesome. Awesome. We had our Anderson Living Community House Church. Every week we go into Holly Hill Elementary elementary school. And some of us volunteer, we go in there once a week, Thursday or Friday morning, and we sit down, we help these teachers. I've done it a couple times, and I'm out there in the hallway with these little kids, and I'm sitting in a chair helping these kids read. They don't even know how to read. This is a school where 70% of the kids, this is like eight miles from my house, 70% of the kids are on free or reduced lunch, poverty level. And we get to go in there once a week and to love on these kids and love on these teachers. Got an email this week from the principal just thanking us for being in there and the impact that we're having as a house church in this school. Our Taylor Mill Living Community, they go once a month or on a consistent basis to help the homeless at the Northern Kentucky Emergency Shelter. Right here on Sunday morning, pray hard for our living kids, volunteers. It's daylight saving time. Kids are going to be crazy. Okay, so I was really thinking of them this morning. But Dwight and Kathy, every Sunday morning we have on average 30 plus kids that they are loving on and getting the gospel to helping them see Jesus as they love on these kids. Next month, we're going to be planting our eighth living community house church in Highland Heights, Kentucky, led by Christian and Heather Rosewell, Ed and Rebecca Snow, and Dwight and Kathy. Just recently, I've been talking with a pastor out in Walton, Kentucky, who's considering 
taking what they've been doing for a while and not becoming one of a new living community under us, uh, under living church. Um, Maria, I don't want to embarrass her, so I'm not trying to, but I want to talk about this, this lady's desire. We are in her home uh, about a month ago, and um, she was just sharing with us over dinner how she really wants to have a living community in her home to reach her Spanish-speaking friends. I mean, she wants to open up her mobile home in Fort Mitchell, Kentucky, in the trailer park to use that as a way to reach these, these people that speak Spanish. And so we're praying right now that God would raise up somebody from within us or bring someone to us that has that passion, that burden, that can speak Spanish. I would love to do it. That would be bad if I tried to do that because I can't speak Spanish. All right? But we're praying that God would bring some to us, someone to us so we can reach more people with the gospel so they can hear about Christ. Jenny Moran from our Crescent Springs Living Community. She's in China right now teaching English at an international school, and they've gathered some people together on, on a Sunday morning, Sunday morning fellowship to get around the world. And she sent me an email this week saying, I have Chinese friends who want me to teach them English, and they have come to me asking that I use the Bible to teach them English. What God had done with them. With them. It's amazing. And there are other churches and church networks who are seeing what you guys are doing as a church, and they're going, teach us, help us. What you guys are doing is impacting in ways we've never seen. And they're inviting us to come and share our stories, our vision, and we're discussing partnerships with them for the purpose of helping one another reach our city, preaching the gospel to this city. And God is doing some great things with you, church, and we do have reason to celebrate but the need is great. You know, after Paul and Barnabas shared with the church, they didn't like say, you know what, I'm out, dude, get me a beach someplace, a little retirement. No, they packed their bags and they went and did it all over again. They went to the next city and told people about Jesus. And maybe you think, does our city really need us? Just don't, don't believe or don't think just because there's a church building on every corner that the mission has ceased. The mission is not a building. The mission is us as disciples of Jesus going out, telling people the gospel. And so maybe we think, does the city really need us? You see the numbers around the room. Let me give you some numbers. In the greater Cincinnati area, which would include northern Kentucky, there's 2.1 million people who live in greater Cincinnati. 2.1 million. Anybody live here in Boone County? Kentucky. Anybody? Boone County. All right, Boone County. 68% of people in Boone County are not connected to a church community that is committed to the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're not connected. They're not hearing. They're not connected to a community of church that's telling them about Jesus, 68%. Campbell County, that's three out of four, 75% of people live in Campbell County are not connected to a church community that is preaching and teaching the good news and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Kenton County, which is the county in which we're in right here in northern Kentucky, 85% is that number. Greater Cincinnati, 86% of people who live in this city are not connected with a church community that's teaching and telling them about Jesus Christ. You put those numbers together, so that means of the 2.1 million, that's 1.8 million in our city are not connected to a church community consistently where they're hearing the good news and the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's 1.8 million people are still in need of the hope, the life, and the redemption that Jesus brings. And God's design from the get-go has been for us to join Him in the mission that He's called us to. And you see the number two. 
The number two. I don't know where, where is number two. Thank you, number two. This is the percentage of Christians who actually invite someone to church. Two percent. So there's a hundred people in this room. That means throughout your lifetime, only two of you throughout your life will ever invite someone to church. <laughs> Crazy. Two percent. And listen, this isn't about getting people to join a church. This is about getting the good news of Jesus to the city, to a world that's in need. That's what this is about. This is about lives being rescued from sin, from addiction. This is about the hope in Christ. This is about seeing our Rome transformed by the person of Jesus Christ. That's what this is about. And I believe the world needs the church, the people of Jesus, because the church has what the world needs, Jesus And so does our city need you? Does it need you to be neighbors who are loving them like Jesus would love them? Absolutely. So what now? What do we do next? Let me give you a couple thoughts. What's next? Be the 2%. Be the 2%. And let's expand this, not just by inviting people to a Sunday gathering. That's what I'm talking about. Let's let's be the 2% where maybe we're inviting people into our home for a meal or opening up our home. In that way, or maybe you're going to take someone out for coffee or coworker, but you're going to be intentional to love them as Jesus would love them. Be the two percent, and that just assumes I'm just going to assume that everyone here is consistently sharing life with a living community, and that's so important because not only is it how you grow as a disciple of Jesus, but it's how you show Christ as well. And so I want you to think about that. Be the two percent. So who are you going to invite into your home, into your life? to love on. It could be as simple as doing one family, they do Friday night fires in the fall where they just put the fire pit out in the front yard or wherever and they just are out there inviting neighbors to come and hang out while they're there. Be the 2%. Who are you discipling? Who's discipling you? Second, pray for the 26 by 26. Pray for that. This year we're hopeful to start and plant three or four New Living Community House churches. Just imagine, just imagine for a moment, 26 of these Living Community House churches that are living out Christ together. You know, the scripture talk, calls us the body of Christ. And so you know what happens when the body of Christ goes and serves together? Do you know what other people see? They see Christ. That's what they see. So when you're out there living on mission in community with your live together, people are seeing Christ because we're the body of Christ. And just imagine the, that beacon of gospel light that would go up and go forth from our city as we are living Christ and making Christ known. And imagine the stories that we would have to declare. And let me just share with you what's next in this 2020, or 26 by 26 vision. One thing that we're planning to do this year is we want to provide financial stipends for our living community pastors. Just a small financial stipend. If you, for our living community pastors, they do a lot. They invest a lot of their own time, a lot of their own resources, getting paper plates and having people in their home and cleaning carpets after living community, all this different stuff. And so one way we want to say thank you to them and we want to come alongside them is helping them financially. It's not much at all, but what's something that we're praying about we want to implement this year is to provide a financial stipend for each and every living community pastor and living community. But the second thing is this year we're praying about that God would allow us to hire a staff person to oversee what we call the pastor's pipeline. You got to think, if we're going to have 26 living communities, that means we're going to have to have 26 living community house church pastors. That means we need 
26 trained house church pastors because just not anyone and everyone could do this. That's going to take someone's 100% of their energy and time to develop it, implement it, coach it, lead it, do it, get it done. And it's going to take someone full time to do that. And that's exciting to me. And here's what's cool. I believe we have the person with us to do this. I've shared this with our, our church board. I've shared this with our leadership team. I've shared this with our pastoral team. And that person's Kyle Ackerson. And I'm praying that this year, and I want you to pray with us, that God would allow us the joy of bringing him on full time to go with this, to run with it. He's already volunteering his time doing a lot. And so I'm praying to that end, that God would allow us to bring him on full time so that we can change, continue to move forward and bringing gospel light to our city. Because it's not about bringing him on. Again, it's about training these pastors that can get in there and live in community and live the gospel out in their homes and in their neighborhoods. That's what it's about. And then third, I want us to take a step of faith. I want us to take a step of faith. And this is about taking a step of faith so people can hear about the life, hope, and forgiveness of Jesus that he brings. Notice the progression, and you guys already saw it. They preached the gospel to the city and they made many disciples. They preached the gospel to the city and made many disciples. And so I want to ask you, what's your step of faith this morning? What's your step of faith when it comes to getting the good news of the gospel to your coworkers, to your neighbors, to your classmates, to your school, to your campus? What's that step of faith look like? Maybe it looks like for you surrendering your life to Jesus. Maybe you've come here this morning, you're going, you know what, man, these people, they're all about getting Jesus to the city. I don't even know this Jesus. Yeah, I, I, I know religion, but I don't know Jesus. Maybe that step of faith is for you to step trusting Christ and him alone for the forgiveness of your sins to bring you into relationship with him. Maybe the step of faith is inviting your neighbors over to your home or to be part of your living community or inviting your coworkers Maybe it's a step of making a commitment to share life, to really invest life with one of our living community house churches. Maybe it's a step of faith to say, you know what, we're going to start giving financially so that we can bring Kyle on or we're going to step up our giving so that we can make this happen, so that we can reach our city and we can see these house churches planted throughout our city. Maybe it's a step of starting a living community in your neighborhood. Maybe it's a step to downsize, right? So we don't have to work as hard or work as much so that we can live more on mission. It's radical thinking. Maybe it's a step of moving to a different neighborhood to start a living community for the purpose of sharing the gospel of Jesus. Maybe it's a step of courage to simply ask that friend, ask that neighbor a question about what they think of Jesus. You know, maybe we sit here and you go, I don't even know what that first step is. I don't even know what step of faith is. I don't know what it looks like then just ask God. Ask Him. Ask Him. And that's what I want you to do right now. I want you to think about what step of faith do you believe God's asking you to take when it comes to preaching the gospel to our city and telling people about Jesus? What's that look like? God, God, do something in us. Move us. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for calling us out as your people to live this mission with you. And I pray that you would do it, God. You already are. And help us to, to see this not about planting more churches, but about seeing lives changed, families changed, 
schools transformed because of the message of Jesus being lived and shared. You know, before I close my prayer, I want you to think for a moment, what's that step of faith that God wants you to take? What is it? What is it? Just think about that for a moment. Take quietly right now, just right where you sit. Ask God. God, reveal to me now, what is the step of faith you want us to take, you want me to take to get the good news of Jesus out? What is it? What's it look like? If you know what that is, if you know what the step of faith is that God's asking you to take, would you just raise your hand? I'm not going to ask you to say anything. You know what it is. And you know what it is. Here's what I want us to do. Keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. I want those of you that are near someone that has their hand up, I want you to just put your hand on them and pray for them. Okay? You don't have to pray out loud, but just go to them, put your hand on them, and just say, God, give them boldness to take that step. Give them boldness. This is not a feel bad if you don't have your hand raised, right? This is about, hey, listen, praying for one another, encouraging one another as we take that step of faith. And for those of us that maybe we don't know, ask God. But just right now, in the quietness of your own heart, pray for that person. If you want to pray out loud for them, do it. But put your hand near them and ask God to give them boldness to take that step. Do that now. Stand with me if you would. Living Church, God is doing something amazing with you. He's doing something amazing with you. And listen to this. As you go, Jesus says this, I am with you always. As you go, he says, I am with you always. He's with us as we go. Father, thank you for being with us this morning. And now with your spirit and with your promise, may we go into the places where you've called us to speak the truth and the hope and the life and the redemption of Jesus, not for our sake, but for the sake of your name and your glory. And it's in the name of Jesus I pray, amen.